Warning, this podcast episode contains swearing, drinking, and mentions of brutal violence and violence towards children. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Demons and Bellinis, the podcast where we whip up a drink and talk about some spooky shit. I'm the reason your mom doesn't allow Ouija boards in the household. I'm Molly. You're a medium? Um, I'm just a small. I'm Ashley. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's my favorite TikTok video. <laughs> what are we talking about today? Okay, um, yeah, so this is a part, supposed to be a part two about axes. And this episode, I wanted to take a look at the Velisca Axe Murder House. Hmm. Okay, you don't know it. All right. <laughs> so, no, I don't. So, grab a beverage of your choosing, get cozy, and make sure to cover your mirrors. And remember to stay peachy. mirrors in my room should i uh cover them up super quick if you want to i mean i haven't told you the reason why you should hmm i will withhold withhold my mirror covering until i inform you yes all right <laughs> yes so you haven't heard none of them face my bed so that's good that's good so now you have heard so you haven't heard of the Velisca x murder house then not off the top of my head. Sick. No. Cool. Nice. Please, please educate me. So. Nice. <laughs> so, Velisca is a small town in the Iowa County of Montgomery. Um, I don't want to take too much time away from the juicy bits, but have you ever seen a map of the counties in Iowa? I haven't, but I'm going to look it up right now. Dude, it makes me want to scream. I hate it so much. I can't explain why. There's just something about it that is just so unsettling. I hate that I, sets off my fight or flight response. I hate the county yeah. map of Iowa <laughs> with a passion. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. So this goes down in the southwest, I think, of, of Iowa. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <gasps> Anyways, so so Velisca is a very small rural town, the kind of town where everyone knows everybody. To give you an idea of just how small this town is, in 1910, about a year and a bit before the murders, there were about 2,039 people living in Velisca. As of the 2019 census, so about 100 years later, there's only 1,000 well, 1,142 people in, oops, sorry, in Velisca. So it's ah. very small. Uh, it's a yeah. little bit hard to find basic information about the town because the only thing you get when you Google the town are the axe murders. They're that infamous that all this town is known for is, is, is this murder. 
<laughs> I even struggled to find the year that the town was founded, so I had to go off the fact that there's no census data before 1870, and in 1870 there were only 457 people in that town, so I have to assume that Villisca was founded in the late 1860s, early 1870s. Look at you, what a history major. what i do detective (laughs) uh but detective post like when it it is very early stages Villisca was a very big it was a booming town it was expected to become a lot bigger than it actually ended up becoming and it was even referred to as the pretty place the town it was home to the only publicly funded armory in the state of iowa and it housed weapons that were used in the 1916 Mexican expedition, World War One, World War Two, the Korean and Vietnam Wars. The county of Montgomery, in which Villisca sits, lost more men per capita than any other county in America during World War Two. Some, I thought that was very Jesus. fascinating. Did yeah. you say cute, Molly? No, I didn't. <laughs> oh. I did not say cute. Totally funny. That would have been kind of funny, but I did not say that. (laughs) Cute. Cute. Anyways, I just think that it's very interesting that more people from the county of Montgomery died in World War II than any other county in America. I can't explain. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's per capita, so... Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Maybe it's in, like, some kind of weird triangle, vortex, tornado of death, and spiritual energy. <laughs> this is why people don't take us seriously! This is why we don't have rights! <laughs> I'm being very controversial today, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know. So, you know, I don't have rights because I'm gay, I am i don't have rights because I believe in paranormal vortexes. <laughs> The gay bit just, like, knocks off a few points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the early 1900s, as we talked about in my last episode, which was the New Orleans Axeman, the axe was a common tool found on every single farm or in every household. And since the late Stone Age and the rise of farming, the axe has been a staple in the farmer's toolbox. The iron-bladed felling axe developed in the Middle Ages allowed for forest clearance and the development of medieval agriculture and would be used by settlers to North America to clear land and build settlements settlements like Villisca. Okay, alright, so what happened? So Josiah B. Moore, also known as Joe by those who knew him, and his wife, Sarah Moore, they had done pretty well for themselves. Josiah was one of 13 children to his parents, Charles C. Moore and Mary C. Gray Moore. Josiah being born in Illinois. Can I make a joke? 1868. Yes, what is your joke? <laughs> Do they have a child named uh, Gimme Moore? Gimme, Gimme, Gimme Moore? I don't, I didn't. Also, I didn't see that in the. I'll be quiet. In the sense, okay. <laughs> I didn't see that name in the documents. My <laughs> So they should have known more. Fuck. So (laughs) Charles, Josiah's father, he came to America from Monaghan, Ireland, and Mary was born in Illinois, but her father, James Gray, also came to America from Ireland as well. 
Sarah Moore, Josiah's wife, was born in Knox County, Illinois in 1873, where her father was also born, and her mother was from West Virginia. Not as many records about her family were kept. We do know that Sarah and her family moved to Villisca in 1894, and there she became an active member of the Presbyterian Church. And Sarah and Josiah were both mm. were married in Villisca on December 6, 1899. Josiah Moore. Okay. He was a budding businessman in Villisca, where Josiah bought the family home, a pleasant farmhouse, in 1903. He worked for nine years at Frank Jones's store, a, a general store, in Villisca, and in 1908, he opened up his own store. Now, this greatly upset Frank Jones, and his anger was made only made worse when a rumor ran ar- went around that Moore had an affair with his daughter-in-law. <gasps> Scandalous. Clutching my pearls. So Sarah and Josiah Moore would go on to have four children, Herman, Catherine, Boyd, and Paul. By 1912, Herman was 11, Catherine was 10, Boyd was 7, and Paul was just 5. The children were friends with two uh, girls who lived in the neighborhood, and they were 12-year-old Lena and 8-year-old Ina Stillinger. In mm. so... Everything kind of goes down on June 9th, 1912. The Moors went to the local church where Sarah was a member, and there she was running festivities for the Children's Day service that was held that day. It was said to have been a lot of fun, and it went quite late into the evening. The Stillinger girls asked if they could spend the night at the Moors' house, and the parents agreed. They went home at around 9.30 that evening. Mm-hmm. And then that was the last time anyone saw them alive. Ooh, sorry. <laughs> so on the morning of June 10th, 1912, the neighbors of the Moore family thought that it was quite odd that by 7.30 a.m. there was no noise, no movement, or anything from the house. Remember that this is a rural household with a lot of kids. There was work to do, and the kids would often be out playing or heard yelling by this time. This right. morning, however, there was nothing. The neighbor called Josiah's brother, Ross Moore, who was the local druggist, to come check on the family. So at 8 o'clock a.m., Ross entered the home and searched through the downstairs area for any sign of the family. In the downstairs uh, (laughs) words, in the downstairs bedroom, he discovered two figures laying in the bed covered with a sheet and there was blood on the bed frame. He immediately left and called Josiah's store and told the employer working there to get the marshal. So, Marshal Henry Horton... Is there any reason why he didn't call the Marshal himself? Uh, I mean, there's been speculation about that. I don't go too deep into the, the crime theory on this case, because that would right. just be its own episode in of itself. Um, it, there are a few family members that are speculated mm-hmm. to be suspects. Yeah. But, I mean, there's a lot of theories. Marshal Henry Horton, he arrives at the house at 8.30 a.m. and promptly went through the house. What he found was gruesome, to say the least, and just break yourselves. Okay. So every person in that house was found dead, bludgeoned to death by an axe in their beds. They, every single one of them had been struck somewhere between 20 to 30 times. Jeez. It, it's yeah. yeah 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 
That's like Lizzie Borden times like 12. Yeah, <laughs> it's bad. There's a yeah. lot of like anger here, mm-hmm. it feels like. Mm-hmm. So the it was discovered that the two figures in the downstairs bedroom were the Stillinger girls, Lena and Ina. Oh. Lena had a blood stain on her knee and a wound on her arm that suggests that she actually tried to defend herself, which means that she might have been the only one to see the face of the killer. Upstairs, all of the more children and their parents were also found dead in their beds as well. There were gouge marks in the ceiling from the upswings of the axe. Hmm. So it's believed that sometime after midnight, the killer picked up the axe left in the backyard of the Moore family home and entered the house. And though there is another theory that the killer hid in the attic till the family went to sleep. Either way, at some point, he stole their family axe and hid until after midnight. At some point, the killer went through the house in search of cloth or linens, which were placed over all of the mirrors in the house. Right. That's why you should be... Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why I said cover your mirrors, because the killer covered the mirrors. Mm-hmm. Now, it's kind of interesting that, like, a lot of people think, like, maybe the killer thought that what he did was so guilty, like, like so bad that he couldn't even look himself in the face. Or it could also be... Maybe for some other... It's Yeah. I mean, there was, like, that old, that old superstition where you, like, cover all the mirrors, like, after someone's died, right? Or before someone's about to die. Yeah. I can't remember. Mirrors are often associated mm-hmm. with death and spirits and portals to the other world, so. Yeah. It's just interesting in this case that every single mirror was covered. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it's, it's just, it, it's, like, he systematically mm-hmm. went to the house and covered all of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is also a four-pound piece of slab bacon next to the axe that was used to kill the family, and there was a plate of uneaten food on the kitchen table along with a bowl of bloody water. Left by the killer? So, left by the killer. He, he had a snack? Yeah. <laughs> well, he didn't finish it. He didn't... He might have had a snack, but, like, he didn't finish it. <laughs> There's also theories that perhaps, like, he used the bacon to get into the house. Like, he knew the family. That's why they let him in, and he brought it as, like, you know, like a treat or whatever. Like, the bacon. Or, um... Mm-hmm. He just forgot it. I don't know. <laughs> No one's really cracked that one. So the funeral for the Moore family and the Stillinger girls was a big, somber event held on June 12, 1912. Many people from around Iowa and even the country came to the funeral because it was such a horrific and tragic crime, with the majority of victims being under 13 years old. The crime was so horrifying that nationally it pushed headlines about the sinking of the Titanic off of newspapers. Wow. Yeah. Like, it it got more attention than the Titanic, which the sinking of that occurred barely two months before this crime. That That is a very big deal, yeah. It was a big deal. Mm-hmm. It was a huge deal. So now there are many suspects, but the crime has never been solved to this day. The press ran many theories about who did the crime and how it happened. A stranger, Sarah Moore's brother, who had blood bad blood with his sister, or Frank Jones, envious of Josiah Moore for his success, and angry at him for trying to create competition, or even an Iowa state senator, 
Or another theory involves the crazed Reverend George Kelly. I could do a whole episode on just the suspects, trials, confessions, but we're here for ghosts. But if you are curious about that stuff, I highly recommend watching Bailey Sarian's YouTube video about it. She's super funny and has a great way of telling the story and explaining it in an easy way to follow. Plus, like, some really nice makeup. Ooh, I love that. I love Bailey Sarian. She's, like, one of my favorite YouTubers. Also... Kind of disturbing fact about the investigation that ties a bit into the paranormal is the use of optography, which is the theory that the image of a killer could be found on the retina of the victim. Oh. Yeah, this was like a serious kind of way of... People generally thought this could solve crimes back in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And it was discovered by this guy who he would like keep these rabbits in like cages in really dark places and then he would take them out um and 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 and, and kill them yeah and then he would dissect the eye to see if there's an image of him on the eye yeah it was it was yeah bad shit but you know that's (laughs) i did find a small newspaper article about the use of optography in this case and it says the following so uh august 20 21st of 1912, uh, C.M. Brown of Villisca, IA, who is in the city, declares that the detectives at Villisca, working to solve the mystery in the recent murder of eight persons in Villisca, have obtained a photograph of the murderer from the retina of the eye of one of the Stillinger girls. The girl, circumstances at the time indicated, was the only one of the eight, all of whom were killed with a hatchet who had awakened during the attack. And then, mm. end quote. So we don't, I don't actually, they never actually followed up with that if they did actually get a photograph of the murderer from the retina of Lena's yeah. eye. <laughs> it's kind of disturbing yeah. to think about. It's also kind of interesting the idea that, like, in such a, like, the image of something so horrific is just, like, burned into your eye. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a lot. That is a it's, lot. It seems very, like, Lovecraftian to me. <laughs> it does, yeah. And I mean, like, you know, old methods of solving crimes is always very interesting to me. Oh, yeah. Like, different crimes. <laughs> have, have, have you watched The Alienist? I have started watching it. I have not finished it. It was upon your recommendation. Yeah. It's, yeah. I'm going to recommend it again. <laughs> it's yeah. so good. It's, like, a few things are hard to watch, but I'm kind of glad that they don't yeah. shy away from it. It's mm-hmm. good. Yes. Also, Luke Evans is just so hot. Oh, sorry, I'm thinking about Luke Evans. I know you're thinking about Luke Evans. Oh, he's. I was thinking about Jude Law yesterday. Mm. 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 <laughs> so, a lot of people, when they start to talk about the paranormal energy that surrounds the Velisca Axe murder house, they tend to start with... Of course, the indigenous history of the place. As we've seen before, this is misinformed Mm -hmm. and often lacks understanding of the local traditions and beliefs. In Iowa, the Sioux... Is it Sioux? Sioux. Sioux, yes. A Sioux word which... Are you talking about S-I... Yeah. O-U-X. Sioux, yeah. A Sioux word which is roughly translated into sleepy people is home to the Dakota, Sioux, Iowa, Illinois, the Oto, and Missouri nations. <laughs> but 
On the official website for the Velisca Axe Murder House, they say the following, quote, Unfortunately for the citizens of this close-knit community, however, these accomplishments will forever be overshadowed by the horrific deaths of eight of their own. On June 10th, 1912, the tranquility of this pretty place was shattered by the discovery of the Villisca Axe murders. The Moore family, well-known and well-liked Villisca residents, and two overnight guests were found murdered in their beds. Little known to its residents was the possibility that their town was named not after a pretty place, but for the Indian word Wallisca, which means even evil spirit. They don't say on this website, end quote, by the way, they don't say, they don't state which of the many nations that lived in this area, which I listed to you. Yeah. They don't state which, where that word comes from. I tried looking up the word Waliska and found nothing that would tell me where the word actually comes from. Yeah. If any of you listening up there do know where that word comes from, feel, let, let us know. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. It's just, like, that's only going to... The official website for this museum now, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Cite your sources." What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> you, can't you can't just say these things, huh? No, and like I and like I listed how many nations are in just that one county alone. Like, yeah, huh? Huh? <clears throat> Anyways, needed to be addressed. Yeah, thank you. So. After the murders, a few more families did live in the house, but many didn't stay for long. Everyone reported disembodied footsteps, poltergeist activity, apparitions, shadows, and a general feeling of being uncomfortable everywhere in the house. It's really interesting now, uh, as, as the museum in the house is a corkboard, and pinned to it are photographs of ghostly orbs, an apparition, and a photo of someone who had been scratched on the back by an unseen entity. I'll show you a photo of this right now. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It just had this corkboard hanging in the in like the front room. So it gives you an impression of what you're walking into. <laughs> so yeah, here's the corkboard. Yeah, I see the scratches. I see orbs. Um, a couple of business cards thrown in there. A couple business cards, yeah. <laughs> I like the sticker in the upper uh, upper right. It's fun. This photo will be on Instagram, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. So when people entered the attic of the upstairs house, it's where the attic is where it's believed that the killer might have waited for the family to go to sleep. Visitors often describe that the attic feels very hot and oppressive, and many say that it feels dark. Throughout the house, mixed with old antique furniture, are children's toys. Some are old, but most of them are modern children's toys. They are brought to the house by tourists and left for the children who are said to haunt the house. This is what's called a trigger object in the paranormal community, and objects with meaning to the spirits haunting these places can be left in hopes that they might trigger activity, and this is why many people seek the toys. Now, if you're Zach Bagans, though, you bring in the suspected murder weapon back into the house as a trigger object. Oh. Hello? (laughs) Yeah, they did that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm disappointed but not surprised. Not surprised. They caught some cool evidence, though, like a door closing pretty hard. It was it's kind of sick. That's pretty I think it's, like, yeah. the first time they ever... It's an old episode, too, like, from, like, season four, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Old. 
hot. I said that the nerds, it was funny. Anyways, so speaking of investigations, since the house was bought in 1984 by a woman named Martha Lynn and saved from demolition, it's been renovated to how it was the night of the murders. And you can actually rent the whole house for the night for $400 USD to conduct your own investigations. Now, the people of Villisca don't really like the idea of the hauntings, or they just don't believe in them, and there are often reports of local kids banging on the windows during these overnight investigations. Due to COVID, though, they also offer a virtual tour on their website. Ooh, fun. <laughs> fun. So if you have, like, $400 lying around after the pandemic? Yes. So anyways, so one person who did an overnight investigation, they wrote in their online that they were lying on the living room floor trying to sleep when they heard disembodied whispering they also heard footsteps following them down the stairs as they walked out jesus when one tour guide he recalls that he heard someone walk upstairs and shut a drawer thinking that someone who wasn't supposed to be in the house had broken in the guide had gone upstairs to kick them out when he realized that no one was there the same guide has also seen objects moving and rocking chair moving on its own, and he even heard full conversations, like disembodied conversations. Mm-hmm. One time, the guide had his photo taken by a photography student in the attic using a Civil War era camera. The Ooh. guide says that the photographer thought the lighting was too dark, but when they looked at the photo, they noticed a shadow behind the guide, and the shadow only had a head and shoulders. Huh disgusting yeah spooky that that gave me chills legitimately (laughs) yeah so a review on the overnight stay says that they heard scratching at the attic door captured photographs of orbs and as well as evps um some of the other evps that many other people have captured are children asking to play adult voices telling them to get out and there's also an evp EVP captured in which a child says the name Andy, which has led to speculation that it could be the name of the killer. Mm. There have also been photos of apparitions, like I just talked about. Um, here, I'll send you one really quick. Yee. Anyways, it was like, I can't find it. It was like a photo of an apparition that had, it was like like a really tall man, and he's kind of like bent over. It was gross, oh. weird, moving on. Your typical yeah. apparition photo. Yeah, it will be posted on Instagram, um, I just won't see it until then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a pretty normal apparition phone. Yeah. So it's also been noted that inside the house, anything with a battery tends to drain really quickly. Mm-hmm. And that along with toys being everywhere in the house, there are also Bibles everywhere. Bibbles? Bibbles. Bibbles everywhere. Yes. So another review. Okay, I ended up going down a rabbit hole of reading um, reviews. <laughs> For the overnight stays and even just for the tours as well and it's fascinating i'm going to read you a few of these reviews so um one reviewer criticized the curators of the house commenting that the tour lacks historical evidence and sensationalizes the murders and called the whole thing a carnival haunted house mm. which is pretty disappointed when you're charged ten dollars per person for a daytime tour true that's a lot of fucking money yeah. for a 30-minute tour. Yeah, that is. Yeah. So another person wrote, quote, This is not a made-up Halloween spook house attraction. This is a murder scene where eight people, six of them children, were brutally killed. 
I think some people get caught up in the sensationalism from what they've seen on TV shows about the house and forget mm -hmm. this is still an unsolved crime and need to show quieter respect. I think the best way to show respect is to leave a toy for the children's spirits and maybe flowers for Miss Moore, as well as to visit their graves up in the cemetery and leave coins or flowers at the headstones. End quote. Mm -hmm. Here's my favorite review. This person said, quote, my main and significant complaint is general tackiness. <laughs> it's tacky. As stated, I love true crime. However, this is because I find the mindsets of criminals interesting and also take these horrific events seriously. While I didn't feel as though the staff made the event a complete joke, they did encourage ghost hunting and other general silliness, which I find very disrespectful. I left and told my accompanying, accompanying, accompanying friend, if I ever die in some intriguing way, please, please just tear the house down instead of letting that happen. Eight right. people were brutally murdered in that house. To sell books is one thing, but to sell t-shirts and, and bumper stickers stating I survived the Villisca Axe murder house in stereotypical blood-dripping font is just plain tacky and disrespectful. Yeah. Yeah. The house and tour should remain a historical exhibit rather than a carnival attraction. It's really no surprise that I was touring with a group of young girls who were excitedly gasping and screeching every 20 seconds, convinced they felt a crazy weird energy and saw ghosts in every corner. No exaggeration, these tourists were encouraged by staff to literally play ball with the ghosts of these murder victims. Really, guys? Should we not encourage visitors to take these things seriously? End quote. Oh, I... Why did you send me the Loveland Frog? Because it reminded me of I, I, I Survived the Axe Murders, and I was like, this is the only kind of merch I will accept. Oh, I mean, yeah, no, like, you can say, like, like cryptid stuff, but I think they have a point that this is, like, a brutal oh, yeah, crime totally. scene. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I just, I read this review, and I was just like, go off, yeah. sis. <laughs> I mean, on the one hand, I don't Spill appreciate the them. tea. Or, I don't know, I think that the shaming of young teenage girls is kind of, like... I don't, I don't know. On the one hand, I'm like, let teenage girls. I see yeah. what you're going. I see what you're yeah, yeah, going yeah, yeah. with, with there, but I think that they're right to call out that behavior. That's true. That's true. Because it's like, even at when you're at 16, you can grasp that it's a murder scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, 100. Like not to bash like teenage girl interest. I think yeah, that we no, shouldn't be doing that. But. Mm -hmm. But we should be calling out disrespectful behavior. Yes, definitely. There's a difference between, like, being interested in the paranormal and just forgetting that, like, mm -hmm. a five-year-old was killed 20 to 30 times with an axe to the head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that, that also, that, that um, <laughs> the complaint against disrespect also reminds me a lot of the, about the points that I made in the Paris Catacombs and, like, part of the reason why like oh yeah instagram made me so uncomfortable like just the different ways that people yeah. pose with these dead bodies like yeah granted they died a long yeah. time ago but it's like they're still human bodies and again that does complicate yeah, like, it's like people... the the argument between like well how long do we have to wait before a tragedy becomes something sensationalized yeah like how long do we have to wait before a tragedy becomes a comedy mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's just, like, 
in this case, it's just like it's an unsolved murder to me. It just kind of like I was fully on board with the Villisca X murder until I started reading about the tour and the kind of stuff that goes on during the tour. And right. then I was immediately like, ooh, mm-hmm. uh-oh. Because, I mean, like, with my museum, yeah. like, we have the trench in the backyard. And, like, kids like to run around in the trench, right? And I could, like, mm-hmm. encourage that. I could be like, yeah, play play soldier. Play, play, you know, in the trench. Like, go ahead. But that seems wrong to me. Mm-hmm. Knowing all that I know about trench warfare. Yeah. Like, I don't want to encourage kids to do that. So it's like... With the Villisca Axe Murder House, I think that the person who said that it should be a historical exhibit and focus more on that and, like, the trials, the crime, the investigation, I think that would be a lot more interesting and people get a lot more out of it than just, like, you can still have both, right? You can have both, like, the investigation stuff, the history, as well as the ghost stuff. But to just make it about the ghosts, you lose so much nuance and conversations about, like, these people's lives that you just boil it down to like, ooh, there's a ooky spooky person in the attic, you know, like Mm -hmm. that doesn't even make a good ghost story at that point. It doesn't. Yeah. Um, what are your opinions on the Lizzie Borden house? Just because the whole sensationalized murder house kind of reminds me vaguely of that. I think I'm on, I'm on board with the Lizzie Borden house because they treat it like a historical exhibit. And they have their moments of, like, you know, kind of making, like, a little bit of fun out of it. Like, I remember, like, the Ghost Adventures episode they did on that one, and the guide, she was wearing little axe earrings. Like, mm-hmm. that's cutesy, that's, like, because it is a pretty serious topic, and I think it's important when you, like, if you, if I worked in at the Lizzie Bourne Hotel, I would need something funny like that to, like, vent out. You yeah. know, like every day I'm going to this house where these yeah. people were brutally murdered. Like, would you, you're, you're, would you work you at, at the Lizzie point. Borden house? Follow up question. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> but you wouldn't. <laughs> but I would still need like some kind of like release. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like having like little things, like wearing axe earrings. That's cute, right? Mm-hmm. But to have like bumper stickers. Yeah. That's just tacky. It's just bad taste. Yeah. I think it's taste here. Tasty. Like, it's in bad taste to encourage people to, you know, behave this way while on a very serious tour. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you have people who go there who know the story and they know how severe it was and how big of a deal it was. And then they go there expecting to get, like, a, like something like the Lizzie Borden house and they get this. Mm-hmm. It's a bit in poor taste, yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Lizzie Borden house, very similar kind of story, but they remind you constantly that this is still a crime scene, that people yeah. died here. Like, they have crime scene photos mm-hmm. everywhere. So, like, everywhere you go, you're reminded, like, this is a very somber thing. Like, it's in better taste, and, like, you still have moments of, like, oh, yeah, you can have tea at, like, the Lizzie Borden house, or, like, it's a bed and breakfast, mm-hmm. but it still is in good taste. Yeah. I think that's where my aggra- upsetness with the Velisca X murder house is coming from. It's just, it comes across as poor taste. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a difference between kind of having, like, a, what's it called? Uh, is it graveyard humor? 
is what it's called. Oh, like when you joke about death a lot? It's to a certain extent, <laughs> yes, but it's kind of like um, it's morbid. similar to what we do in a way where it's like we're talking about a lot of horrific things and trying to treat them in a way that is both respectful but humorous in the sense where we don't feel as terrible about it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, like that. Because it's, it's, it's like we it's were very, aware. very heavy place, oh. but. Oh, God, yeah. It's just like when when we do these episodes, like we're aware of what we're talking about. Like we know that it's some hardcore stuff. Mm-hmm. But if we just had like hardcore hour long episodes, I think we would have stopped doing this. That's true. It would have gotten to have been too much. Yeah. Like I don't know how people who do try true crime podcasts. I don't know how they do yeah. it. Like I can like go. I need like to have breaks between whenever I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. Like I'll listen to it and then I need to take a break for like a month mm-hmm. and I'll listen to it again. <laughs> oh, totally. So yeah, yeah. So it's just like, but having our episodes like we'll have our serious moments and then we'll start laughing about like I don't know Stephen King man ass and it's. Yeah, and it's okay. Yeah. We're reminded that it's okay. <laughs> We're okay. We are a-okay. Yeah, so it's like the Lizzie Borden house is able to do that. Like, the curators, the, t- the tour guides, they figured that out. But the Velisca Axe murder house hasn't, and it's just goofy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, like, reading the website and then also seeing reviews, calling this museum a carnival is just embarrassing mm-hmm. like i felt embarrassed reading these reviews oh yeah Ooh, and then and then like after reading all those reviews i looked back at all the evidence that i had collected like the paranormal evidence and everything i just started to doubt it mm-hmm. i was like well how do i know now how yeah. do i know for sure that you just weren't playing into the tour guides encouraging you to do this because right. the tour guides are like they're they're playing off of your energy, right? Like, yeah. when I give my tours, I I read who comes in the door and what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. So that depends. So I'll change what I say in my tour based on, you know, is this person going to pay attention to me for a long time? Are they? Do they have kids? Are they interested in the history? Do they want something more fun? Can they handle me talking about this? Like, mm-hmm. I just read the energy. So if the tour guide is encouraging people to feel paranormal energy you're gonna feel it because the tour guide is telling you that you're supposed to feel it yeah (laughs) right so when and so i looked back at all the evidence that i collected and i was just like well i can't trust this now yeah because it's not like Mm -hmm. it's just it's been encouraged and you just like how do i know if it's like actually happened evidence like verifiable like on someone's memory card on their photo thing or whatever or like they or if it was just something encouraged by a tour guide right yeah like the people who got scratched like how do i know that they actually got scratched and didn't like just itch their back wrong and then the tour guide was like oh my god you've been scratched right yeah like honestly like i just touch my skin and it goes red yeah yeah (laughs) yeah like how do we know that if this just wasn't a person with sensitive skin and then the tour guide freaked out mm-hmm. but now you have everyone on the internet saying that you can get scratched at the Villisca Axe Villisca Axe Murder House yeah even the name Villisca Axe Murder House mm-hmm. <laughs> it seems a little bit it's a, it, 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 the name tacky. comes across like a haunted house attraction 
Like I would expect something happening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's anyways. So ranting about the ethics of running a historical or heritage home, I aside, I found the role that axes play in the story and the story of the New Orleans Axeman very fascinating. These cases were truly horrible and they left a lasting scar on the places where it happened. I think the axe really personifies anger in these cases. Like there's something about it that's really aggressive and brutal. And in this case, like these people were killed and by being hit 20 to 30 times, like you, no one just does that just because (laughs) Mm -hmm. it wasn't, you know, like this was targeted and there was anger. And what's worse is like this, like with an axe too, is like, it's, it's not going to kill you with just one hit. No. Right? Like, that's why the Axeman wasn't very successful, because he was only able to hit a person maybe once or twice. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't able to, like, kill them. But in this case, they were hit multiple times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most people who know anything about crime know that if there's multiple hits, that means anger, mm-hmm. <laughs> generally. Yeah. Um, Especially, like, the note with the... um marks on the ceiling from the the um the back throw that suggests yeah a lot of force oh yeah like this person was going ham is that problematic to say permission to make a joke yes were they going granted or were they going bacon ham and bacon are from the same animal yeah but the bacon that was left in the kitchen yeah, yeah, but, like, bacon and ham are from pigs. I know, I know, but I was thinking about the bacon. So, I mean, I could just... I know, but, like, I could just say ham, and it would be, like, the same yeah. thing. Oh, well. This is what happens when you drink 14% wine. <laughs> Your jokes I want just 14% keep on getting worse and worse. You can have some. Instead, I just have aloe juice. I can't have some. You're, like five kilometers away from me true and uh we're we're following social distancing rules i hate it so anyways um i do think at the end of the day that there is some kind of energy in this house would i call it a spiritual tornado vortex no No. (laughs) would i call it a a very highly emotionally charged crime scene Mm -hmm. yes um, I think that treating it like a funhouse has really altered the way people think about it, and it commodified a crime scene, which is pretty disturbing to think about. Yeah. Which kind of gets me back to thinking about, like, the Cecil Hotel again. Like, mm-hmm. ooh. I, it, eh. Yeah. Stop. I, I, there's just something about paying money to go on a tour, like a, a, a carnivalesque tour of a crime scene that just kind of rubs me the wrong way yeah mm-hmm. anyways i think the most important lesson that we've learned is to keep your axes locked up mm-hmm. be respectful yeah but more importantly keep your axes locked up yeah definitely <laughs> and if you're just not feeling it that day like just put it cover your mirrors up you don't need to look at yourself and your guilt me too me too <laughs> yeah <laughs> but if I don't have my mirrors, then how will I get my eyeliner straight? I guess that's the one. You know what? Whatever happens is an act of God. 
That's true. That's and you true. just have to live with whatever happens. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's my favorite thing. Like, and I wish that we could bring this back but in, like, a not weird religious way. But, like, whenever something, like, like a storm happens, it's called an act of God. Or, mm-hmm. like, just something happens and people just go, like, oh, act of God again. Yeah. <laughs> Let's bring it back. Let's bring that back. Let's bring it back in our podcast. Let's bring it back. We're starting a trend. Yeah. We... Yep. <laughs> I want to... I Let's make that a thing. It was an act of God. Let's do it, Your yeah. wine glass spills over, act of God. Oh, my God, don't jinx Internet it. Internet crashes, <laughs> act of God. Yeah. Your PC breaking during your move? An act of God. Yeah, it was an act of God. And now I don't have a desktop computer to play Minecraft on. That's unfortunate. I had to buy a mouse for my laptop. (laughs) Do you know how hard it is to play Minecraft with just the little finger thing that comes with laptops? Oh my god. I would not even (laughs) want to try. I couldn't turn. I couldn't turn around. I had to buy a mouse. It lights up. (laughs) What if we put our Minecraft beds next to each other? We can do that. I mean, my boyfriend you might have see, some but questions, I'm doing, like, but the we little, can do like, that. Um... Oh, well. I'm doing it now, too. <laughs> All right. We're going to go play Minecraft now. All right. <laughs> have a great day, y'all. Um, stay safe. Stay, stay social safe. distanced. Lock up your axes. Lock up your axes and respect Cover your historical and non-historical crime, she- crime scenes. There we go. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't waddle your paranormal investigating ass out there being like, ooh, I sense a vortex of spiritual activity. And maybe you didn't get scratched. Maybe you're just white. <laughs> maybe you need to moisturize. Demon Thumbelini's self-care tutorial. <laughs> God First, it. what you're going to want to do is go get your cider from the fridge. Crack that bitch open. Next, you're going to want to go make your way to the bathtub. Make sure to drink at least a quarter of your bathtub bathroom. Make your way to the bathroom and make sure to drink at least a quarter of that cider on the <laughs> like way there. Drink a quarter of your bathroom. Once you're in the bathroom. Dodolphine? <laughs> 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 Once you're in the bathroom, you're going to want to set your spider down because you're going to need both hands. You want to start scrubbing the demon scales off of your face. Get in there. Exfoliate. Get it all off in there. <laughs> Next, you're going to want to tone that shit. I don't know what toner it does, but it apparently does you're supposed to use it. Mine smells like rose water. Cute. You're going to want to spread that in there. Once it's on there, you can do a face mask. Make sure that it's scented with the loins of the devil. Plaster that onto your skin. Let it sit there for at least 10 to 15 minutes any longer. And I, I don't know what will happen, but the box says 10 to 15 minutes any longer. You, you're you in trouble. Die. Don't know what's... Your skin will disintegrate. It'll be bad. You'll prob- you're going to go to hell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Leave it on for longer than 15 minutes. Once 10, 10 to 15 minutes is up, peel that shit off your face and chuck it in the trash. It's probably not good for the environment, but when did Satan ever care about the environment? He lives in, in, in a wildfire. Or you could do like a clay mask. <laughs> Next, what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to put on your treatments. <laughs> 
You want to get in there with the acids. You want to get in there with the vitamin C. You want to get in there with the devil sperm. You just want to let it soak in there. It's good for getting rid of the dark spots. The sperm, it brightens you right up. Satan's cure-all. Next, what you're going to want to do is moisturize. Because how do you know that that red mark isn't a scratch mark? Only one way to find out, moisturize. If it stings, yeah, probably you got scratched. If it doesn't sting, <laughs> why aren't you moisturizing anymore? Drink water. Once you've moisturized, drink your water. But, like, after you've had your water, you still got, like, three quarters of a cider to get through. <laughs> Good night, bitch. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> that was beautiful. That was beautiful improv. You're welcome. Yes. <laughs> I want to see applause in the comments. <laughs> if you sat through all of that, I want you to go on to our most recent Instagram posting. <laughs> My throat hurts now. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, I hope you guys have a great week. Moisturize. Um, watch your face. Watch your fucking face. And, uh, you know... Oh, I forgot about skin, skin, sunscreen. SPF. Use SPF. Put your sunscreen on, babes. Put SPF on your tattoos it's also. Hot if you have tattoos. Put your SPF on. Yes. Yeah. SPF 66. If you have, if you have tattoos that'll disappoint your Catholic grandmother. Yeah. You want to moisturize and, and yeah. SPF. Take care of that shit. Mm-hmm. Because if they fade, how will you disappoint your grandmother? Sure. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I'm done. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, stay peachy, y'all. Stay peachy. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in this week, and we hope that you enjoyed the episode. This podcast features the voices of Molly Lorette and Ashley Smith. Our theme music was composed and produced by Larry Lorette. Our cover image was designed by Kate, and sound editing was done by Molly Lorette. Have any comments, concerns, or cases you want us to cover? You can email us at demonsandbellinis at gmail.com. You can also find us on Demons and Bellinis on Tumblr. Demons and Bellinis on Instagram, and at DBellinis on Twitter. That's capital D and capital B. You will also be able to find case pictures tweeted out there and posted to our Instagram. Also, if you like what we do here on this little corner of the internet, please consider dropping us a donation off at Coffee, which you can find linked in our description. Thanks again, and stay peachy.